0: I think the whole month of October is Pastor Appreciation Month. You appreciate uh, Nelson and Jesse and Phil, and yeah, I do too. I think it was Dr. James Dobson that decided that pastors are underappreciated, so he said, "Let's let's have a whole month." Since then, there's all kinds of there's not enough months for all the kinds of things that people want to honor. But uh, I appreciate the pastors of this church. Um, When I was a brand new Christian, I got a a prophetic word about mining out all the promises in God's word, and then I'd have something to give away when I was prophesying or counseling. And I worked at that for about five years, going deep in Jeremiah, deep in Ezekiel, books I'd never been in before, Job and looking for anything that would be a promise that we can stand on or prophesy. And uh, I kept a notebook and would just write them out, write them in the margin of my Bible, got a nice big wide margin Bible. And uh, it occurred to me recently, we were singing about the promises of God, and we're singing about that again tonight, that people don't really stand on a promise. It's not like they're really hanging on something and playing it back to the Lord and uh, citing it and reciting it and getting it back with your mouth out loud to the Lord. There's power in that. And uh, I don't know how many promises are mine. There's, I've, I've cl- I got about 200 pages of them. And that's not even Psalms and Proverbs because there's like a promise in almost every verse. And it's not the New Testament, it's just the Old Testament because the New Testament's just filled with promises and so if you want a copy of that, you can go to our online bookstore and there's a we just uploaded it It's a fresh copy of Promises. and um, a couple of weeks ago I taught on the the promises of, of Paul or the um, praying the prayers of Paul. I went through and found out all, all the prayers of Paul and and found them in different translations and paraphrased it to get it down in my own heart. And that's, that's on um, penclark.study. You can go there and you can download it onto your phone. A little PDF so you can just kind of pray that. Uh, you have to mix it with faith. You can't just pray it by rote. It won't work. You have to mix it by faith. But uh, I've been doing it afresh. I've kind of lost track, lost sight of that. And so I've been doing it this past week, and I'll tell you, it's feeding something in me. It's, it's a wonderful discipline. So if you're interested in praying the prayers of Paul, John said, if you pray the will of God, he hears you. And if he hears you, he'll do it. <clears throat> so Paul's prayers are the will of God, and um, there's so much in there. So go to penclark.study. Is it a little PDF? You can download it and put it right on your phone and start praying that. Jamie, I think I sent you a copy by email. Put that on your phone and even while you're painting, just pull one up and, and let it run over your, run it run it through your soul and watch and see what happens and pray it for other people as well. Amen. Jen, you mind just telling the the the, the security people and the welcome people just to close the door and come on in if they're if they're out there. Once, once you're here, once you're inside, and the worship's over, uh, we should just be together. So, if you could imagine, Father God as a young, young man, and he's completely alone. There's no angels. There's no earth no people, <clears throat> no stars, no moon, no heavens. I remember, I remember talking to my, my kids about this when, when they were just long, young like yours, and they said, who created God, and when, when was God born? And I said, he's always been. He never had a beginning, and he'll never have an ending. He wasn't born. He wasn't created. He's just always been my middle son. He said, Dad, you're, you're giving me a, a brain freeze. <laughs> His little mind got locked up just thinking that God's always been. But picture, picture him sitting there, and he's always been. And <clears throat> he's thinking into the future, and he's thinking about you. And he gets a brand-new book that never had a mark in it, and he writes your name on the cover. And then he opens up and creases it, dips his pen, and he starts meditating, he starts thinking, until he starts bubbling up with real pleasure. And with a flurry, he begins to write your story, who you are, where you would be and what you would do, your beginning and your ending. And the the word pleasure, when he says all things were created for his pleasure, the word pleasure there is thealma. It's the same word for will. It's his will is his pleasure. So, so what he thought about? Oh, he says, oh, I love this. Oh, 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 yeah. Let's let's write that. So it wasn't like this drudgery of, you know boring, boring, boring. Uh, Negative, negative, negative. What he wrote was his pleasure. His will is his pleasure. So if it got him pleasure, when we tap into it, we find our pleasure. And you won't have any pleasure. You'll never live a life of being pleased or satisfied unless you're tapping into and striving for The pleasure of God. Your pleasure is linked to His pleasure. If you can imagine him writing, getting a brand new ledger, a brand new book, and he begins writing your story, writing your life. What did he write? It says Rodney Smoker right on the cover. What did he write? He wrote something. Aaron, what did he write? He didn't write mistake, mistake, mistake. Bumbling, bumbling, bumbling. He wrote something that pleased him. And so, the life goal of man is to find out what he wrote. To find out what's in that book. And what Jesus said that's so interesting he. he, he, he understood that the pleasure of God, the will of God that's in heaven in a book doesn't happen by chance and doesn't automatically happen. There are some people who live their entire existence and never tap into the will of God. So the disciples one day, they said, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? And he said, I will. He said, here's how you pray. He says, our Father, who art in heaven. And so he directs them to a father. That's all new language. They'd never heard anything like that other than he was calling him father. And and one of the things he said is, is, what you do is you pray and you say, Father, I want your will that's in heaven to happen to me in the earth. And the implication is, is if you don't pray it, it won't happen. It doesn't just happen automatically. You have to believe for it. You have to pray it. You have to contend for it. You have to insist upon it. You have to pull it down. It's not that he's holding it back and he's saying, I don't want you to have it. But God has set this whole thing up that unless you pray it or proclaim it or prophesy it, it won't happen. So there's this will in heaven in a book waiting for you to be discovered. <clears throat> and, and you begin praying. You say, Lord, I want your will. I, I've had my will. I've, I've done my pleasure. <clears throat> I've done what I want to do. And all it did is it left me ashamed and empty and filled with regret. I've done my own thing. I want your will I want your will and you begin praying you begin insisting and what happens is with the eyes of your heart not your physical eyes but the eyes of your heart faster than faster than the shutter on a camera, all of a sudden it opens really quickly and you get a glimpse of what you're to do and what you're to be and where you're to go and what 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 you're to give your life to, and that's called vision. And it's not a one-time thing; it's something that you can have again and again and again. And uh, that vision is what keeps us going and keeps us on track. And and the more you want it, the more He'll give you little spark where you all of a sudden you see something, and you get a glimpse of it, and 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 you get a hunger for it. And some of the stuff you see doesn't happen right away, so you have to actually keep the line, you have to stay with it, and you have to believe, and you have to say no to other things, and you have to say no, that I saw something, I want that. I, I must have that, I saw something that looked so delicious, it filled me with such pleasure. I must have that. And so you say no to lesser things and baser things and the things that would rob you and take you away from that that vision that you saw. So let's explore this tonight a little bit. Now, uh, There's a word called predestination, and it's not my favorite word, and, and I know people argue about predestination. There's people who get all crazy about it. And I, I'm a new Christian at the time, and I hear about predestination, and I, and I don't know what that really means. And I know it's a, big, it's a hot button among some churches. But Paul wrote about predestination. So when you get to Ephesians, uh, New Testament, he's writing to New Testament believers, and he starts writing, let me pull it up for you here so John can put it up behind me here. Paul starts writing. Jen, if you want to go to Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 3 to 6. He writes about this whole thing about uh, God's good pleasure, the good pleasure of his will. Uh, He writes in in verse 9, he says, he's... um, He's made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Verse 11, I might be going too fast for Jem, but verse 11 says, in him we've also obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose. So the word predestined and purpose are always linked. According to the uh, him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So you got the word pleasure, will, and purpose, all in one verse. Ephesians 1, verses five to uh, 15 to 19, he does the same kind of thing. He's talking about uh, praying that your eyes would be open to your purpose. He said, church, I'm praying for you. This is one of the prayers of Paul. I'm praying for you that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you would see your purpose, you'd see your calling, you'd see what God's plan for you. There's an inheritance here. Uh, Versus Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10, he says, For by grace you're saved, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, God actually prepared beforehand. He wrote it in a book. He says, Here's the works. Here's what I want them to accomplish. You never feel satisfied. You never feel fulfilled unless you're accomplishing something. That's where our pleasure is. So what did we, oh, did I have a good week? Well, what did I accomplish this week? And people are, you know, looking for a life of leisure, a life of, you know, work real hard and then retire for the rest of your life. Well, that's, that's an empty life. Most people who do that are never satisfied. You need to accomplish something. You have to have a purpose. You have to have a purpose to get up every morning. And, and God knows that because we're made in his image. And so he says here that there's, a, there's good works for you to discover, you have to discover them. You have to kind of like you step into it, as you pray and you say, "Lord, I want your will, I want your will. give me your will." And all of a sudden something happens, just a crazy happenstance. One time I, I, uh, I met this nurse, and uh, she came to my office when I, was a, I had an advertising uh, agency. And she said, "I'm creating this thing called hospice. It's from England. And we're going to bring it to our town, to my hometown. And uh, we're going to start one up here. And I I had never heard the word hospice before. And I said, well, what's hospice? She said, well, that's where you go to die with dignity. You don't have to die in a hospital, in a hospital bed with tubes and all that. You can get out of all that. You can have your pet. You can have your family. And you can be in your home. And we'll send people with you so you die in a different way. And I thought, that's fascinating. And she said, Well, I need your help. I need a logo. I need some letterhead. We're just starting this up. I said, I'll give it to you. I'd be glad to do that. So I designed it. And then we arranged a time when I would meet her and her board to present the logo. And so we get to the building and find that, you know, a night and, and it's after hours, after work. We walk down in this little stairwell and they can't find the key. No one's got the key. So there's a group of us strangers standing in a stairwell while someone goes to find a key. And we're there like 20 minutes waiting for them to come back with a key. All just very natural. Except I'm with this guy and he said, who are you? I said, well, i designed the logo. He said, no, 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 not about that. Who are you? There's something about you. There's something different about you. And I, I'm trying to track whether my mind's focused on this logo, <laughs> you know, and I'm not quite getting it. He says, what do you do? I said, well, I do advertising. He said, no, that I, there's something else about you. I said, well, I'm, I am preparing the ministry. And he says, I knew that. I knew somehow you're, you're doing something for God. And I said, yeah, I, I really am. I, I've met Jesus, and he's changed my life, and I feel that he's got a plan for me. He said, I could use a guy like you. I said, in what? He said, Well, I I run, I started a rehab center for alcoholics and drug addicts. They come out of prison, they stay in this home, and I could use someone just like you. I said, Well, I've got some friends who might be interested in that, but you know, it's not my it's not my thing. It's not my vein. He said, No, he said, "I, I think you're the one. I think you're the guy. I said, "Well, let me tell you. I've got. I'll introduce you to some of my friends who they love that kind of thing." He said, "No, I. You're the guy. You're the one. I want you to come to the house. I want. I want you to come this week. I'm going to give you a job. We're going to pay you, and all you have to do is lead these drug addicts and alcoholics into a spiritual experience, the same one that you have, and we'll pay you to do that." Now, all this happened because someone forgot. The key. And for the next year, I was in revival, leading. They had to spend 13 weeks. I became the chaplain of the program, and they it's a government job, and I get a check, and, and I'm leading them to the Lord, taking them down to the local uh, the Pentecostal church to baptize them, and we're just having an amazing experience. But all it really was is we're in the stairwell, and we've, it was just I walked into that works. It turned into there's... Part of my destiny was in that hole. I almost missed it because I'm thinking, who would be good at this? I didn't see. I saw me as kind of a geek that would just get eaten alive in a drug rehab program. I didn't see me that way. Do you believe your life was preordained, written, pre-written by God, predestined? It's not an easy concept to get your head around. We know this. Paul believed that he wrote about it. But he also said, I've had this vision, a vision of standing before kings and a vision of reaching the Gentiles. My heart's been awakened to this idea. And at the end of his life, 30 years later, he says, I've been faithful to that vision that God gave me. So he believed that God destined him. He said, "I I was born again. Uh, uh but uh, I was kind of out of time over here, but I was in God's will. It was His perfect timing that He caused me to know Him. I was born again by the will of God. That's what Paul believed. Now we believe that about Jesus. There's about 50 glimpses in the Old Testament of Jesus that some prophets' eyes were open really quickly and they said, you know, I saw, they pulled the beard, they pulled the hair out of his face. And they wrote that. That's happened, and that happened. They took their coats off and broke branches off the trees, and they laid it down in front of him, sitting on a baby colt that had never been ridden on. And he's riding down the street. They're shouting Hosanna, and so he gets a glimpse of that. He writes that down, puts it in deep in some prophecy, but it's about Jesus. He said he he uh He's going to preach. He's going to open the eyes of the blind. He's going to preach the gospel to the poor. He's going to heal the brokenhearted. He's going to bind up those who are wounded. And, and he wrote it. He saw it. And then Jesus is standing in a synagogue. They open the scroll. The guy puts the stick on the scroll. And he begins to read all this, this line about his, what, he's, what the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because God has ordained me. He's destined me. Called me. Two, preach the gospel to the poor, and he itemizes this whole thing. Then goes, sits down, and everybody's staring at him because they'd never heard anything so beautifully. No one had read scripture like that. No, it sounded personal. It sounded real. It sounded like he meant it. It didn't even have that religious... Uh, cadence to it that the Jews would put on that, that whole religious tone. It was void of all of that. And they never heard such marvelous words. And they looked at him. And he's looking at them. And they're, they're looking at him. And he's the carpenter's son. And he says, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. This is about me. Isaiah saw me. Now that happened about 50 times. From where he'd be born to, they would flee to, e- flee, uh, flee to Egypt and come back and live in a different town. They named the town. They described him completely, how he would live, how, what he would preach, and how he'd die. Do you believe that about Jesus, that God wrote it in a book before he was and gave people a little glimpse with the eyes of their heart Now, if you believe that about Jesus, why don't you believe it about you? He did the same thing with you. We know that he did it with Jesus. and You can say, well, he's the son of God. I mean, he's special. Well, Judas. They wrote about Judas. You can read, you know, in Acts, Peter, he gets up and he says, well, here's what the scripture says about Judas. Uh, Said that that, uh, they would even purchase a field from the wages of iniquity. And that he would fall headlong and burst out in the middle of the fields. His entrails would gush out. He'd leave his children and his wife fatherless. It described the whole thing. He says it's written about him in the book of Psalms to let someone else take his calling and his purpose. His place would be desolate and no one will live in it. Let another take his office. That's about Judas. If he's writing about Judas, why can't you believe that he'd write about you? There's a book in heaven with your name on it. And you could have it or you can pass. And when you die, you'll literally see this book. In fact, here's what I believe. You don't have to believe this, but I've I've believed this for so long. I'm so used to it. I can't believe anything else by now. I'm in this thing. I'm committed to it. I believe that you'll stand before Jesus one day in front of all humanity, in front of everyone who's ever been. And the book of your life that God wrote about you will be open, and you'll see his plan for your life from start to finish. And you'll see it, and you'll you'll, you'll be absolutely amazed, and you'll say, "I, I, I, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. That's what he saw in me. I didn't know that's what he planned for me. I could have had that. Instead, I've got this life that doesn't work. It doesn't. It fires and misses and runs out of. Ga- I got a life that just doesn't quite add up to anything. And, and I could have had that. All I had to do is ask. I, I could have pr- contended for that. I could have prayed for that. Like if your life is all cobbled up and broken, that that not many of you, but but it's many people in the world. And they say, well, this is God's sovereign and he destined my life and I've got this broken life and a whole string of broken relationships. That's not God's plan. That's you having your way. He's made us in a way that you can have your will or you can have his will, but he'll never push his will on you. He'll never make you. He doesn't force his circumstances, force His purpose is on your life. You have to either want it or it won't happen. In fact, when he shows us his purpose, what he wrote in the book, people start crying to such an extent that God himself actually brings them close to them, to himself, and begins to wipe away their tears. And he has to take away the remembrance of this life down here because it's just so painful to realize ah, I, I could have had this, I could have had something different. So he has to console, wipe away the tears, because there's regret. I think one of the big regrets was how, how we, what, what prayer could have achieved and we didn't pray. What could have, how life could have been different had we just prayed. I was a new Christian struggling with all this. God was beginning to teach me this. I I didn't have a teacher to teach me. I I was studying the scripture, reading, them, and it started to come together. And uh, I read this. Why don't you you turn with me to Revelation 20, verses 11 to 13. This is John, and, and he's in heaven. He's standing before Jesus. He's seeing heaven. And he says here's what I saw and he saw it with the eyes of his heart he says I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it from whose face the earth had fled earth and heaven had fled away and there was found no place for them and I saw the dead small and great standing before God and the books were opened And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things that were written in the books. And the seed gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one, according to his works. Go back up. It says, And the books were opened. Notice that's plural. And it's not the book of life. Then he says, oh, yeah. And there's this other book, a book of life where everyone who's born again, their names are inscribed in a book. So that's a separate book. So there are books. It's not just one. There's several books. Here's what I think they are. I think, I think the, one of the books that's open contains everything God wrote. Another book that's open is everything that you do everything you choose, your will. And there are angels who are signed, and they write down everything you say, and everything you do, and everywhere you go. And they're writing it down as fast as it happens. And even, even your words and the very motives of your heart are all being kept track of, and they're in a book. And as you stand before God, these books are open, and you get to see God's what god planned but you also to get to see what you did and out of what these books contain you're judged and if and if you if there's stuff that you've done things you've said that you would take back in a second you just regretted them from the moment you did it you wish you didn't you hadn't done it The good news of the gospel is this, is you can edit your book now. You can actually tear whole pages out. You can have whole sections of it completely erased through the blood of Jesus. But it's only here now, and it's by faith. So you say, Father, forgive me. Forgive me for what I said. Forgive me for how I acted. Forgive me for what I how I treated that person. Please forgive me. And all of a sudden, uh, it, it's, it's being cut away, edited out. And when we stand before him, there's just blank spots. One, I had a pastor who, who died. He had a heart attack, died, went to heaven, came back and wrote about it. One of the things he said, he says, I, 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 the first thing that happened is he saw a film of his life. He said, I saw myself being born. Being brought out, I saw myself learning to walk and learning to talk. I saw family members. I could hear their conversations. He said it all happened very fast, except it was completely perfect. It was better than a movie. It was more than 3D. It was very real. I could see, and I could see my thoughts as clearly as my words. And I saw myself living my life and I saw myself die, but my movie went on. And when I asked the Lord about that, I said, why is my life going on when I died here? Why is this keep going? He said, because it wasn't my will that you die here. I have have a plan and a purpose. He said, as he watched the movie, he said it was jittery in places. It It would jump. There'd be a conversation, and all of a sudden it would jump. There'd be a scene and all of a sudden they would just kind of erratically move on to a a whole different picture. And he said, what's that about? He said, well, they're the places that you've asked me to forgive. They don't exist. They're not as far as the east is from the west. They're not in the bottom of the sea. They're not in some bag. They're not behind God's back. That's Old Testament way of getting a, a handle on sin. They're actually, they're actually nailed to the cross. All the handwriting, all the handwriting that was, all the sins that were kept track of, all the handwriting was was nailed to the cross and it doesn't exist anymore. If you describe yourself to God as you used to be, he he just he would say, I don't know what you're talking about. There's no memory. There's nothing in heaven, there's nothing in the earth. The devil might remind you of that stuff, but God will never remind you of that stuff. And we shouldn't remind each other, we shouldn't see ourselves after the flesh. We're not the same people, all because of the blood of Jesus. Aren't you grateful for that? Well, when I was a new Christian, I was struggling with this whole thing of God writing a will for my life and... And I still, I was in the same thinking that a lot of people in the world think that, okay, if he, if he has a plan, and he's sovereign, and he's big, and my life doesn't make sense, and my life, my life just doesn't work, how could that be his will? And I have losses and suffering, and how could that be his will? Um, well, suffering, suffering could be part of the story. I mean, it was in Jesus' life. So it does happen to people. But there's a lot of it that doesn't add up. Some people, when they, even today, I'll listen to Christians tell me their testimony, and it was like their story was written by a drunken sailor. They're just all over the map. Went here and they got to this church and did this with this person, then moved on, and that fell apart. And this here, I did this, and this business failed, and this happened here, and this, this didn't work. And, and so it's like it's this cobbled-up mess. And they call it God's will and i don't know except that he's more to me he's more like an architect that he he knows the the end from the beginning and so when you see an architect he, he if i do this here it's going to affect the measurements they're going to it's i need to leave room for wiring and plumbing and and they, they just see differently they think differently and god's a master builder so when he's when, when you actually look back on your life, you say, oh, this led to this. And if I hadn't done this, it wouldn't have led to, I, I got into this. And, the, and it's kind of like line upon line, precept upon precept, one concept built upon another. You look back at your life, you say, oh, that makes sense. Well, it was because you've asked. You've asked for him to lead you. You've asked for him to guide you, and he's tapped you. It moved you into his purposes, into his will, and now your life, you look back and it's satisfying to see how he led you. And that's the testimony. When we testify, we say, oh, I just met this person, and if I hadn't done this or hadn't gone to this gym, hadn't done this, I i would have missed out on a whole thing. It's, it's profound. I asked the Lord, I said, but Lord, could you help me you know, I wasn't raised in a Christian church and a home and uh, trying to figure out this stuff on my own. And Help me to see it. Help me to understand this. And this is what he showed me. I saw my life like a topo map laid out with places and people and events and a life. And I saw my, my conception and, and it's like a, p- a pushpin with a ribbon being placed where I was conceived. And, and then that ribbon w- went places and touched people's lives and circumstances and, and, and went along. And, and then the ribbon came to an end and it's at the end of my life. And I could just see it laying on this map. And it's a, a blue ribbon. And I saw another ribbon, put him where I was conceived. This is the life that he wrote for me. And it moves on the top of the map from place to place and people and events and there's a push pin and shows where I'm to end. It's a good thing not, you don't have to be afraid of dying, you just know that you're trusting him to finish his purpose with you when your purpose is over, that you can move on. And I saw where they both were together at the same place and they are purple, and then I did my thing and went, you know, my parents made choices that, they're kind of all over the map, and there's like this blue line that just kind of goes all over the place, and every now and again it touches the red line, the, the red ribbon, and becomes purple. Then there's this moment where God had been leading me to a place where I would find Jesus and I met him and there's this patch of purple and I was so afraid of doing my own thing I I was like a child clinging to his mother's apron saying God I want your will I I don't want to do my own thing and so my life is purple and then you get cocky and you go off and there's some blue line again. Sometimes the blue and red go parallel and sometimes it crosses again briefly and then they get another patch of purple and but the purple's the best part. So you learn to say, God, I want your will. I choose for me. What would what, what do you want me to buy? Where do you want me to go? And and you just keep including him in all your plans and acknowledging him in all your ways. And you get this stretch of purple that's so satisfying. And that's how he helped me to see that it's not all his will and it's not all my will. it's this unusual blend of both. Can you see it? So you begin praying, God, I want more I want more of your will. I've tasted just enough to know that I don't want my will anymore. I want yours. And it's not a one-time prayer that lasts for a year or a one-time prayer that lasts for a decade or, or a week even. It's kind of like acknowledging him and all the details where before you make that big decision, you just stop and you pray about it and say, Lord, I really don't want this that bad. I, do you want it for me? Is this what you have for me? And you talk it over with them and and that's how you keep the purple going is, is you just are hesitant to do your own thing. And you include them in the decisions and you you wait before them. You say, God, I want what's best. What what I'm about to decide here. (laughs) Someone said, what I do today better matter because I'm giving up a day of my life for it. When you think of it that way, You can't just waste your life. You can't just waste your time. David understood this. He saw it. He caught glimpses of it. Let me just read this and we'll stop. Listen to this. This is is David's understanding of of what I've just been talking about here tonight. Listen to this. Uh, Jen, this is Psalm 139, verses 16 to 18, if you want to pull it up. He said, You saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. Ah, that's a challenge to, to, to get into your heart. Here's the New Living Translation. Listen to this from the New Living Translation. You're not going to be able to pull this up, Jen, I don't think. You watched me as I was... Be informed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They are innumerable. The word thoughts... Here, and also like in Jeremiah, he says, I know the thoughts that I have for you, thoughts that are good and that are not evil to give you hope in a future. The word thoughts, it's not just thoughts, it's plans. He's saying, I know the plans I have for you. I got plans. I know the plans that I have for you. They're good, they're not evil, to give you hope in a future. Here, David's saying, your plans for me, are more numerable than the sand. So he doesn't have like one plan for you. He's got plans that you can't even imagine. He's got plans for the smallest detail of your life. Can we just use our imagination for a minute, just a little bit here? With your your imagination, your powerful tool that God gave you, pick up a handful of sand. Pick it up with your mind's eye Go ahead, pick it up. And it's running out the the corners of your hand. It's running out a little bit through the fingers of your hand. Tighten it up. Got a handful of sand. Now count it. One, two, three, four. How many be interested in giving time to this and counting that? No, Alan says, no, I'm not going to do that. No, can't do that. Well, David wasn't talking about a handful of sand. He said, your plans for me are more numerable than the sand. And he's writing this from a desert. He's writing this from a wilderness place. Everything is sand. Amen? Amen? So there's a real day, an actual day coming, when you'll stand about eighteen inches in front of Jesus, and he'll say, "Open the books," and this movie unfolds. It's not, it's it's, it's a it's a book, but it's a a 3D book, and all of a sudden you see yourself. Being conceived, you see yourself being brought forth. You see yourself living out your life. And you watch it because, have you ever watched an old home movie or watch a little movie with, or something where there's a, your kids or yourself when they're younger? I mean, you study that thing because you can't. You want to take it all in. Well, that's what we'll be doing. And so will everybody else because there's a lot of people in your story. And that movie will play out And everything that ever happened will be revealed. And another movie will play somehow that'll just take a few minutes of time but will be a complete life. And it's the movie that he made for you in his own heart and somehow put down on paper or somehow got caught. And you'll see it. Is that exciting or what? My point in sharing all of this is, uh, sometimes I get these boring patches of my prayer life, but when I, the more I think about predestination and his will, I pray better. I pray more. I pray more specifically. I, I start saying, God, I, uh, lead me today. Show me you know, what to do, where to go. I, want, I just don't want to map my own life. I don't want to make my own way. Amen.